Good evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church, and this our midweek Lenten series on the sacrament of the altar according to the small catechism, which of course we're well familiar with as Lutherans, but at the same time it always pays to revisit the basics because there's always something that we miss, there's always more to be learned, and not just learned, because as a focus of our series, we'll see how what's imparted to us in the catechism is not simply a block of knowledge that is to be digested in our brains, but rather what we learn of is Christ, our Savior, how, he received, or how we receive his grace that is bought and purchased by his blood on the cross, and then given to us in and under bread and wine, his very body and blood, that we might receive the forgiveness, life, and salvation that he won for us there on Calvary, and continues to deliver to us until that day that he gathers us into his nearer presence. And so we'll see that as it is to learn more about the sacrament, is not just to learn about the sacrament, but it is to know Christ and to know him better. And we will rejoice in that in these coming weeks. Our service is the Office of Vespers as it begins on page 229. We now stand. Or we, we sing our first hymn, sorry, forgive me, our first hymn, hymn number 619. The first reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, are, all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the, that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless... Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying, then, that an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? O Lord, have mercy on us. 
I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Therefore, as we study the sacrament of the altar, we also learn what it is to know Christ all the more. This world is full of worthless things which try to convince us that they are priceless. The devil, the world, and our sinful flesh would lead us to despise the priceless word and sacraments of Christ Jesus. So then, in this Lenten tide, let us devote ourselves to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And rejoice in his forgiveness, life, and salvation that are given to us in his word and sacrament. So then, looking at the scripture lessons before us this evening, all of them serve to answer this question which Luther puts forth in the small catechism. What is the sacrament of the altar? Well, Luther answers that question in the catechism saying, It is the true body and blood of Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ, under the bread and wine, instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. This is a simple, faithful, scriptural answer. It is true. But let's dig deeper. We'll start with St. Matthew's Gospel account from this evening. Now, St. Matthew's account reveals that this is Jesus' meal. Our Lord is the one doing all the verbs here. He is the one speaking and therefore instituting this sacrament. Therefore, it is what he says it is. The Son of God, through whom all things were created, by the power of his spoken word, took bread. And after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In these brief words, Jesus tells us what he is doing what we are to do, and why. By the power of his instituting word, his very body is given to us under bread, and we are to take it and to eat it. By the power of his instituting word, his very blood is given to us under wine, which we receive from the cup. And he says to us, drink of it, all of you. And why do we do this? Well, I mean, simply, first of all, he commands it, right? His words, take, eat, and drink of it, all of you, these are imperatives, meaning that we are to do what he tells us to do. Secondly, as we sung at the beginning of the service, it is for our highest good. In the eating of his body, and the drinking of his blood, we receive forgiveness of sins, and along with this, life and salvation, for where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. Now, Martin Luther, he wrote six catechetical hymns to accompany the small catechism, one hymn for each of the six chief parts, and they're all in our hymnal. And our office hymn this evening is Luther's hymn concerning the sacrament of the altar, Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior. It's a beautiful hymn. In ten stanzas, Pastor Luther, he lays out for us Christians the biblical meaning and blessings of the Lord's Supper, as well as the God-given boundaries of the Supper also. 
Now, in the first two stanzas, it says this. Jesus Christ, our blessed Savior, turned away God's wrath forever. By his bitter grief and woe, he saved us from the evil foe. Stanza two, as his pledge of love undying, he this precious food supplying, gives his body with the bread and with the wine, the blood he shed. In these brief words, we learn that Christ died to turn away God's wrath over sin, and in so doing, he also saved us from the evil foe, crushing the head of the evil serpent, Satan. So also, as his pledge of love undying, Jesus gives us this precious food of his body and blood with the bread and wine of the sacrament. But this hymn also, it gives guidance as to the boundaries of the sacrament also. There are warnings which accompany this blessed gift in Holy Scripture, and these are touched on in stanzas 3 through 9 of the hymn. We learn in these stanzas that in stanza 3, one must be prepared to receive the sacrament. In other words, we must come believing that the Lord's Supper is what Jesus says it is, his true body and blood, with and under bread and wine. In stanza 5, we are to firmly hold the faith unshaken that this food is to be taken by the sick, those distressed by sin, by hearts that long for peace with God and rest from the devil, the world, and the sinful flesh. And in stanzas 6 through 7, we learn that this meal was purchased at a great price, the death of Christ, and that it is only for those who need Christ and the rest and healing that only he can provide. And then finally, in stanzas 8 and 9, we learn that this meal is only for repentant sinners who confess their sin and need the justification, that is, the declaration of the forgiveness of their sins that only Jesus can give as he gives it, even also in the absolution. It is these teachings which point us to our reading from 1 Corinthians 10. This one may have struck you as a little odd this evening as you listen to it. How does this connect to the sacrament of the altar? It's more than just the last few verses. The whole context is there. You see, St. Paul is warning us against idolatry. And he explains that our spiritual forebears in the Old Testament, in Israel, they were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, the manna from heaven, all drank the same spiritual drink, that rock which gave forth the water. And St. Paul says, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. They were not, he was not pleased because with, only with faith is it possible to please God. He goes on to say that all of these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. And he then, in what seems like a sharp right turn, but it, it follows... He equates sexual immorality with idolatry. It's properly understood, all sin is idolatry. But he says, do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Which is, for the translators of English Bibles, a very Victorian way of saying that they were involved in debauchery and sexual immorality. We must not indulge, St. Paul says in verse 8, in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Saints, our bodies are not our own. Your bodies are not your own. You are not free to do with your bodies whatever you like, 
and still count yourselves as repentant Christians. Sex outside of marriage is contrary to God's will, and it damages your relationship with God. Cohabitation is contrary to God's will, and it damages your relationship with God. And the same can be said of homosexual sins and the insistence that you are not the biological gender that God created you to be, and you are at your birth. Such sinful thoughts and actions that accompany them are considered as idolatry in God's eyes. Now why? Is he just some divine stick in the mud? No, of course not. It is because God's design and order for sexuality is rejected in these things. And people claim to know better than God. It's idolatrous and blasphemous. We do not trust that God's will and design are good, and so we disobey his will, and we cast aside his word and say, I know better than you, Lord. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. Thank you very much. Do you see the connection? We trust in ourselves and in the lies of the devil rather than Christ. And such sinful thoughts and actions are dangerous, and they damage your relationship with God, and they also damage your relationship with your neighbors, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Now, what does all this have to do with the Lord's Supper? Because St. Paul directly makes the connection after this. The Lord's Supper is only for repentant sinners. This is why St. Paul follows all this by saying, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, he says, flee from idolatry. As it is with sexual immorality, so it is with all sin. God calls us to repent precisely because he loves us. God calls us to repent because he does not want us falling away in unbelief. In love, the Lord uses his law to reveal our sin, to show us our sin that we might then confess it and receive his forgiveness and his grace. And that forgiveness and grace are received in the bread and wine of his supper, which also contain his body and his blood. This is why St. Paul continues by saying, I speak as to sensible people, as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation, a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation, again, a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ? Therefore, let us turn away from sin, the sin that so easily entangles and ensnares us. Let us come to the Lord's table in repentance and let us rejoice that here at his altar, the Lord grants you his forgiveness and peace, bought and purchased with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. As we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have no reason to fear for our good shepherd and Lord is with us. With his word, he both disciplines and comforts us. And with that same word, he drives away the devil and all his lies. And in the midst of all of our enemies... He prepares a table before you, and your cup, it overflows with his forgiveness, his peace, his mercy, which he lavishes upon all of his repentant people. In this sin-corrupted world where we are constantly attacked and assaulted by Satan and our sinful flesh, we have a sanctuary, a place of still baptismal waters and green pastures. We have Christ's church the place where your good shepherd gathers you, comforts you, instructs you, and feeds you. 
we have Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Savior, who gathers you by his spirit that you might know him and the power of his resurrection and receive his salvation. And so you might know him. He has given you his blessed word and sacraments. So, what is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. Thanks be to God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. O Lord our God, we acknowledge your great goodness toward us and praise you for the mercy and grace that our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our hearts have known. We sincerely repent of the sins of our sins this day and those in the past. Pardon our offenses, correct and reform what is lacking in us, and help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Inscribe your law upon our hearts and equip us to serve you with holy and blameless lives. May each day remind us of the coming of the night when no one can work. In the emptiness of this present age, keep us united by a living faith through the power of your Holy Spirit and with him who is the resurrection and the life, that we may escape the eternal bitter pains of condemnation. By your Holy Spirit, O Lord, bless the preaching of your word and the administration of your sacraments. Preserve these gifts to us and to all Christians. Guard and protect from all dangers to body and soul. Grant that we may with faithful perseverance receive from you our sorrows as well as our joys, knowing that health and sickness, riches and poverty and all things come by permission of your fatherly hand. Keep us this day under your protective care and preserve us securely trusting in your everlasting goodness and love. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Well, once again, welcome and good evening. And I uh, pray that you're able to continue joining us in further uh, midweek uh, services throughout Lent as we continue our study. I'll have a variety of different scripture passages, all as they relate. And as you can see in your bulletin, this is both the bulletin for this week and next week, so you get a little preview of what is coming up. We'll see the next uh, portion of the sacrament of the altar as we find it in Luther's Catechism, and then have some more teaching based on uh, Exodus 12 and Mark 14 as well, along with the beautiful hymnody that we have that extols uh, the wonderful gift that is the Lord's Supper. Well, as we continue forward in our evening, kind of winding down for the day, God grant you peace and a good night's rest. I'll greet you at the door.